to episode 21 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, and joined today with Phil Fariska. Hey, everybody. And the ever-present, Pete DeMayer. I'm the ever-present. You are. You're not very good present, though. If someone no. gave me you as a birthday present, I would return it. I'm handy around the house. I can fix stuff. This is true. You are the MacGyver of the office. Just a little side note. Whenever anyone needs anything in the office, they go to Pete. It's in my car. He has... Literally everything, including what, an EpiPen, I think? I have an EpiPen, and my wife got me a lockpick kit for mm-hmm. my birthday with Evening. a little practice lock, so I just expanded my repertoire of MacGyverness. That's awesome. So next time I get locked out of my house, I'm just going to call you rather than a lockpick. Yeah, I'm not good, but I have one. So, okay. Well, good. That is good to know. I'm sure our listeners were tuning in today just to listen <laughs> to that information. Yeah, the Fuel Travel Podcast and Lockpicking 101. Smithery. Yeah. Smithage. I don't know what the word is. <clears throat> All right. So today we're going to be talking about uh, an article that was on HSMAI, which is the Hotel Sales Marketing Association International. They're an awesome organization. They do a lot of advocacy for hotel marketers and you know teach people how to become uh, less reliant on OTAs, just give a lot of tips and tricks. They have user groups in local areas. We go to the one here in Model Beach, which is the South Carolina chapter. We've also gone down to Charleston, South Carolina to hang out with those guys as well. They're also the guys that host the annual Adrian Awards as well, which is kind of considered the most prestigious marketing awards for the hotel hospitality industry. So these are all around good folks, lots of cool resources on their website, including webinars and certifications and whatnot. But they, they posted an article this past week that we really liked. So we're going to dig into that in a little bit. But first, before we do, let's talk about in the news. What's going on, Pete? Okay, so the first one we have is an article that I found on GeekWire. And the article is entitled, Hotel Operators Accuse Expedia of Diverting Customers with Misleading Ads in a Brazen Bait and Switch. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, what Expedia is doing, and honestly, this is something that we see a lot of OTAs doing, but they're buying the hotel brand names and directing those customers to Expedia, in this case, to, to learn more and to make the booking. The issue that this one property is facing, in this case, is called the Buckeye Tree Lodge, is they're not on Expedia. So what, they're, what Expedia is doing is bidding on the brand name, saying book Buckeye Tree Lodge on Expedia. When you go there, you'll see that when you do a date search, no rooms available, and they try to sell you on other properties. But Expedia has even gone beyond that and is promoting a phone number where you can call and book Buckeye Lodge. Problem is, is it redirects over to Expedia and they let you know that, hey, you can't book that hotel, there's no rooms available, have you considered these properties? So basically, they're just sniping the customers who are going after Specific, or specifically trying to find Buckeye Tree Lodge, and they can't. Well, they're saying there's no availability when there is. Buckeye Tree Lodge says they have availability, but because they're not on Expedia, Expedia's trying to steal that customer and put them on one of their other hotels that is advertising with Expedia. Yeah, it's definitely shady. I mean, it, it's, it's dishonest, for sure. I think it's misleading uneducated consumers, right? Not everyone understands. We're in the industry, so we get how this ecosystem works, but... Average consumer doesn't really understand that, you know, because something's not available on 
Expedia that it may be available on their own website. So yeah, and, and I'll give beyond that and say really nobody knows that. You know, if, if something says it's unavailable, a lot of times that's the end of your search because you're you're assuming the data is going to be accurate. Yeah, and if, if that's not the case, it really sets you up for, you know, from the consumer's perspective of not going where you want to go. Yeah, this is going to be a case that's going to be interesting because it, it could make some big changes in the industry you know yeah this is not a new practice by Expedia they've been doing it I think in the case they cited over 100 instances that they had found so this isn't new uh, it would be great if they would stop doing it because you know it, it, it's unfair to be bidding on someone else's brand when you're not even selling the inventory I just don't think that's that's right yeah and it goes beyond just the hotel market you know we manage PPC campaigns for you know other sectors in one case it's for a lot of golf clients and they see the same thing happen with golf tee time resellers you know things like golf now and different programs like that where they do the exact same thing they'll buy on a golf course you click on it sorry no tee times available at this golf course but here are other ones and the golf courses have always pushed back and and fought them on that that's just two markets right there but any place that has a reseller I think you'll see those same, you know, strategies coming into place by the reseller trying to, you know, pull those bookings that would be going direct, you know, over to their platform. Yeah, and not, you know, best case scenario, this is disingenuous to the consumer. Worst case, this is unethical. Right. So, you know, I guess the court's going to decide where it falls on that spectrum, and uh, you know, that's going to have a lot of repercussions throughout the industry. But that, I, I'm excited that someone's brought this case. I think it's it's a good wake-up call for Expedia and right. the OTA. It's a class action lawsuit now. They say, you know, over 100 punitive cases, so. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Is that organ again? Nice. So next up, we have a article from traveltrends.biz, and we will link to this article too, but it says, uh, and this is a real classic clickbaity kind of headline, but it's, Hoteliers Outraged over the ACCC's rate parity agreement with uh, basically Booking.com and Expedia. So so the ACCC is basically, it's an Australian organization that handles competition and monopolies. And so they were approached by a lot of hoteliers to say, okay, we don't like the fact that we're restricted in what rates we can put on our own website, so can you guys intervene? And so they went and had a nice conversation with ExpediaBooking.com and came to a closed door agreement with them that basically said, you know, Expedia, you're not allowed to do certain things, but you are allowed to do certain things. And they released a list of, here's the agreement. And in it, it still restricts hotels from showing lower rates than they're displaying on ExpediaBooking.com, unless those rates are, and this is the same in the US right now, unless they're logged in in some way like it's a it's a loyalty rate something like that right so the hotels are mad because that's not what they wanted they just wanted the freedom like in europe oftentimes you have now to really put whatever rates you want out there the other side of this conversation which is really again in the favor of the otas is otas have been doing not only the bait and switch stuff but they've also been cutting down their own margins to publish lower rates on third-party sites like TripConnect. Mm -hmm. So it's like the, the OTAs are having that cake and eating it now at the expense of the hotels. So you know, a couple of episodes ago, we did a big focus on this battle that's going on, and, and we kind of laid out a case for the value of OTAs. But 
every time we turn around, there's a new story that's just another nail in the coffin of OTAs and making hotels just want to get away from them as fast as possible. Yeah, and in, in this case, specifically with the ACCC and their negotiations, I feel it's a classic example of the market, consumers, and the web moving way faster than governmental regulators can keep up. You know, this is one of those things where if you had a consultant or you had you know, an attorney and they came back to you and said, this is what I negotiated, you'd pull your hair out. I mean, because this was a horrible deal for the individual hotels. And I think it's really the case of you know, them not knowing what they're agreeing to and basically playing right into the OTA's hands. That's what they wanted. Yeah, I mean, they're clearly not experts in this industry. They're, they're dealing with all kinds of trade and, and monopolies and competition. So they should have had more advisors within that discussion that are, they're vested in the industry. They know the nuances of what's mm-hmm. going on. They understand that ecosystem. But yeah, it's they made a lot of people very unhappy in Australia. Yep. All right, what's next? Uh, next one is... Facebook recently sent out a warning to advertisers. Um, basically, what they want them to do is cut down the time it takes to load web pages, or they're going to cut the reach of Facebook ads. So, Facebook's now going to decide whether or not to show an ad by considering how long it takes the link within the ad to load. They don't want it's, Facebook doesn't want its users to get frustrated with load times, causing them to stop clicking on ads in the future. Um, what they're doing, they're, they're even going as far as preloading pages from mobile ad links to see the system predicts that the user may click on that ad. So they may preload the page that the ad would go to. Um, they, they call it prefetching. They actually already do it for organic posts. We're seeing this mobile page speed, mobile friendliness becoming increasingly important. Um, discussed it in the past. Google's recently removed the mobile friendly qualifier from search results. We've seen 85% of the sites would have it. So they didn't want to clutter the results with it anymore. They're getting rid of it. So it's not just enough to be mobile friendly anymore. You have to be super fast and super helpful in your mobile experience. And yeah. we're going to continue to talk about that, I'm sure, in the future. Yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer, right? It's, it's No one likes to wait for a website to load, especially on a mobile device where your bandwidth might not be as, as high as it is at home. So Google's been looking at PageSpeed for forever, not only in its organic search, but also on AdWords. So part of the quality score multiplier or algorithm is, is the PageSpeed. Right, and they're looking at that on mobile versus desktop. You know, the other thing is Facebook is also kind of going down this instant pages route as well, and they're trying to encourage people to create kind of stripped down uh, versions of their sites, almost like Google is with their AMP pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, this this kind of all ties in together. But at the end of the day, if your site's slow, then it's going to hurt more than just your Facebook. It's going to it's going to hurt everything you're doing from a marketing perspective. So it's just common sense to make sure your page loads fast. And Google has some pretty cool tools out there to check how fast your page loads, and we'll link to some of those in the show notes. Yeah, I just think it's interesting that you see Facebook going more and more down the, the road of making their algorithm look very similar to, to say, Google. You know, people are spending more and more time. So many people will make the comment, and we've seen that in research, where they say, how much time do you spend online? And they say almost none, but then you look and see that they spent three hours on Facebook, where Facebook is becoming the web and more and more of a search engine. So, Yeah, and that's ultimately their goal is they want Facebook. Facebook wants their own platform to be the internet for people. Mm-hmm. They want it to be their search engine, the place they start and finish and consume everything, you know, in, yeah. including purchasing within Facebook itself. Yeah, I mean, just look at what they're doing with the – when they – 
prevented you from being able to go directly to a site. You have to look at it through Facebook's browser. Mm-hmm. And they're making a lot of those, those steps. So, yeah. again, something else to keep an eye on in the changing market. Yeah, I think it's, it's just one more, one more kick in the butt to make your mobile experience that much better. Yeah. Agreed. All right, so let's jump into our main topic. So we already talked about HSMAI, they're an awesome organization, and they did this really cool article. Uh, Pete, what was the title of the article? So the title of the article is Eight Essentials Every GM Needs to Know About Digital Marketing Today. Right, and that, I mean, that's a pretty kind of cool title. So basically what they did is they got a council together to discuss some of the challenges within industries, and these were mostly marketing folks but they were talking about some of the challenges they have dealing with the GMs or the, the, the operational side of the properties in terms of trying to get alignment with marketing and what it would help if they understood a little better. Now we're gonna look at each one of these uh, eight points that they wrote down. We're gonna read it verbatim. This is not our content. This is from, directly from the HSMAI's um, article and we'll link to that and include these in our show notes as well. But then we're going to kind of talk through it and not, not just look at it from the GM's perspective, but also from a marketer's perspective because GM's struggle sometimes on the marketing side, but sometimes marketers struggle on the marketing side too. So I think we need to look at it from, from both those sides. So Pete, what's number one? So the first one, and again, this is verbatim from the article. First and foremost, understand your own hotel's digital landscape through which channels, brands, brand.com, OTAs, meta, etc., does what what does what percentage of your business come question mark for those largest pieces of the pie focus your attention on understanding what is driving them and the digital trends and development and developments happening there yeah so they're basically saying that people don't have a full grasp of where their revenue is coming from right? right it could be coming from third party channels from their direct bookings on online or over the phone it could be coming from groupon and GMs yeah. just don't know. And I think the mistake I see a lot is that people get reliant on the easy channels. And what I mean by that is if I see that my weekend is is you know soft this upcoming weekend, then I'm gonna immediately go and drop my rate on Expedia or immediately go and, and get a Groupon or go to hotels tonight or something that's a discounted offer. So I'm gonna cut into my ADR and my profitability and oftentimes, because it's reactionary, I'm not thinking about what I'm doing to my direct booking channels, so I'm not lowering the rate there to match it. So now I'm driving everyone, even if they're looking at my direct channels, I'm driving them away to go look at another third-party channel. So it's, it's easy to do that, but it doesn't make the best long-term sense. Yeah, it's the old adage where only 50% of your marketing is profitable. You just don't know that what 50% it is. And to me, it leads to paying attention to your analytics and going deeper than just where's my traffic coming from, but really look at where my conversions are coming from and, and, and making that part of your business really hum. There's, there's so many avenues out there that you just have to pay attention. Maybe if you would summarize the first one, that would be really be just pay attention. Yeah, and understand that every, every little piece plays an important role, but don't just look at it from the ADR perspective or the occupancy perspective. Look at it from a long-term profitability perspective, you know, because some channels maybe take a little longer to nurture, you know, like repeat business, uh, but over time it's going to pay off a lot more than those those other channels that are quick and easy. So, yeah, measure, pay attention, and always have the goal to try to get people to book direct. We did a podcast on that 
in the past, so we'll link to that as well. And there's a couple of articles we have that are related to this. But yeah, pay attention and track every channel and make sure that you're maximizing your opportunities. So what's number two, Phil? Number two says, understand the digital marketing funnel and the difference in ROI efforts or ROI between efforts directed at filling the top of that funnel and pulling business through the bottom of it. Yeah, so this is another one that we see a lot, right? Because obviously there's a funnel from a consumer's perspective when they're shopping for a hotel. So if I start out on on Google and I'm going to Austin, I go Austin Hotels, and I'm probably gonna land on an Expedia or maybe a CVB site or a local portal site, and I'm gonna be clicking around, but I haven't even decided what type of property I wanna stay at. And then later on, like a day or two or a week or two, Later, I might have narrowed it down to two or three properties. And then I get to like the trip advisors of the world and I'm really digging into reviews and then I'm shopping rates. I might go back to an Expedia or MetaSearch or something like that. So my behavior changes. And the mistake that a lot of people make is they're gonna measure everything on last click analytics. Yeah, I always remember, you know, back in, I guess, you know, 2008, 2009, whatever, in that time range, we would see TripAdvisor return on investments be 1,000 and plus percent because a lot of times if you're measuring last click, you're like, oh, look, they go to TripAdvisor, they find my property and they book right away. Let's put all of our money there. Technology was more limited at the time where you didn't necessarily realize, well, they'd already been to four or five other places. They'd already visited your site. That just happened to be the last place to, to trigger the booking. Yeah. And, you know, similar to there's some channels where like AdWords, for example, where people are using different campaigns within that channel at different points within the funnel. So if I'm running an AdWords campaign on broader terms, like oceanfront hotels in this destination, then my ROI is probably gonna be a lot lower than if I'm running ads on my actual brand name, right? So taking, taking those into account and keeping them separate so you're not saying, okay, my brand account is doing so much better than my broad account, so I need to shift all my money to my brand account. Well, you know, one of them is generating awareness and getting exposure at the top of the funnel. So it's not necessarily gonna have the ROI, but it's very important because you're filling lower parts of the funnel as well. So that, I mean, you just, you need to think about where these channels and where these uh, platforms sit within the funnel and then try to develop an attribution model, you know, and try to compare apples to apples when it comes to where is it in the funnel and what else is it at that point in the funnel. So I'm comparing those two and not two different things that are at different levels within the funnel. But attribution of multiple click or multiple view is really important. And then you got the third thing where it's like uh, assist, right? So display advertising is a great example of that. Does it have an influence? Yeah, absolutely. Can you always measure it? No, because there's not always a click. So social media is another one. Like how, how influential is social media when it comes to encouraging people to book with my property? Yeah. Well, we know people are looking at your social accounts. We did a study, a 2016 travel study, that said over 35% of people said they look at a hotel's Facebook page before making a booking. So we know that that's influencing, but there's not necessarily a direct click from that that you can measure. Yeah. It, gets, it can get really confusing because, like you said, someone's going to come from a PPC campaign to your site they're gonna see a retargeted ad on a new site they may be on. Then they're jumping over to Expedia, TripAdvisor, bouncing back and forth, and then eventually booking direct. You don't wanna necessarily follow just that last click. You gotta look at it from a holistic perspective and understand that you're not necessarily gonna know where every dollar of your marketing 
is going into your revenue, but you do need to understand that you need to have that wide net. Yeah. Yeah, building that awareness, it, it can be so important. You may not you may not get the ROI like you guys said, but being in the conversation is what gets you that last click attribute, you know, that that booking that you were looking for at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's what happened with the, the clients where we jumped on or they wanted us to jump on the TripAdvisor bandwagon back, you know, seven, eight years ago when TripAdvisor was always the last click. It's not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. But they would want to shift budget from top funnel type advertising that's generating awareness and put it on its on TripAdvisor. And what we saw was, well, now fewer people are coming to the site from TripAdvisor because fewer people got to that point in the funnel where they were selecting your property. So you've taken money away that was actually generating new business because you thought that this ROI was great, but it was the end of the funnel. Right. Yeah, there, I mean, there's so many different ways that people can learn about your property and interact with it. That takes us really to the, the third item on that list, which is pay attention to the impact of the guest experience, reputation management, and social media on your hotel's digital outreach and pricing power. You know, so you know, look how you're doing on, on Facebook and Twitter and everything else to, to understand where you know, those people where you think you may have lost them in that conversion funnel, you know, very likely they're coming through from a, a social perspective. Yeah, I mean, just look how important reviews are. You know, in that same study where we where I just talked about, we saw that over 85% of people said that they're not going to book unless they read a review on the property. You know, so on my reputation and, and the, what people are saying about you online in general, on social, on TripAdvisor, any review sites, what photos they're posting of you on sites like Oyster, that's really important. That's yeah. critical. People are looking at this stuff and it's helping them determine where they're going to book. Yeah, it makes you wonder if you're a hotel and you don't think TripAdvisor is working for you Maybe you should look at the reviews and say, well, maybe TripAdvisor is working exactly how it should, and I need to improve my guest experience so that my reviews, my rankings, and my you know, overall location rank is where it needs to be. Oh, or say, you mean say you have great reviews all around, you're doing very well. I mean, that could give you the opportunity to raise your rates. You just, you've, yeah. you've earned it. You've earned yourself uh, to be you know, reputable property. Yeah, people would pay more to stay there. Yeah, it's more value for sure. And and I I kind of look at this because this point is talking about experience and online reputation right so online reputation is critical in terms of generating new business right people have never stayed at your property before but then the actual experience itself is what leads to repeat business but also as fuel to the online reputation right so you've got to make sure not only does your property look good online but the actual experience when someone comes to stay is is top notch and meets expectations and it's like Pete said Last week, he, he mentioned that the minute they step on property is when you begin to sell them on their next experience, right? That's, that's when you try to sell them for their next vacation because every time you have a chance to interact with them is a chance for them to have a positive experience that makes them want to come back. Exactly. All right, what's number four? Number four um, says, especially if you're a part of a brand and or management company, be very clear on the company's overall strategy when it comes to natural search, websites, and more. Understand the tools and resources already available to your property from the brand and management company. And for goodness sakes, don't sign up for extra products, services, or channels without understanding what the umbrella company is doing. Yeah, I mean, there's so much to talk about in that one. I almost want to slice that off and do a whole whole podcast (laughs) into it from someone who has a... Yeah, who helps a lot of multi-property groups. There are so many things that you know an individual property will want to spearhead 
that doesn't always align with you know something that might be much larger underway at the you know at the at the multi property level. Yeah, and I think this this can be interpreted a couple of different ways, right? Because it's not relevant to everyone if you're not part of a property group, but you could also look at this as a well, what are other people in the industry doing and how can I leverage that knowledge as well? So I think to me, this is more about don't just go out and try things in isolation. You know, if you have a group internally within your organization that's already doing this stuff and invested time in money, in tools, in expertise, then leverage that. But if, the, if you don't have that internally, don't feel like you're doing that on your own. Go find other people, either an agency that, that has the knowledge, like Fuel, or go find other people that are in your situation that manage properties and are, are trying to market properties as well. Because you don't, a lot of this stuff's already been figured out. You don't have to figure it out yourself. You don't have to make mistakes because someone's already made the mistakes for you. You can learn from that. Yeah, there's typically, whatever your question is, there's a tool for that. You said to make sure you find it. Now, one thing I would say is if you are part of a management group and you have multiple properties you know, within your organization, make sure that you are making the most out of your economies of scale. Server structure, call centers, you know, live chat support, all these things that really help a customer. You don't need to necessarily have, if you have 20 properties or you have five properties, you don't need to have five people manning a live chat system. You may only need one. You know, so you know, pull your resources when you can. You know, that alone can leave you a lot more money in your budget to focus on things like the trip advisors and driving more people to your site and to interact with those efficiencies you built with your cost centers or live chat agents or whatever else. Exactly. So what's next? So the next one is number five, realize how ads work on Google and other places when you're online. Don't click the ad result for your property because you're burning up your own marketing budget. So that's very, you know, very true in, in some instances, but also you know, sometimes you do need to click your own ad to make sure it works, to go <laughs> yeah. to the proper place. You gotta click it at least once and make sure conversion tracking yeah. is working for sure. You know, I, I think that was, it was funny that they put that one very specific example in there because I think had they not, this would be a much deeper conversation, right? Because where it comes back to what you said earlier, the 50% of the money you spend on advertising is working and the other 50% is not, you just don't know which it is, right? So it kind of comes back to that. I think the biggest mistake for me though that I see is remarketing. You know, people see this is one that's kind of in, end of the funnel because someone's already been to your website once. So chances are they're lowered down the funnel and they're more likely to click back and, and convert. But then people continue to remarket to them even after they've booked. And it's such a waste of money. Mm-hmm. And there's a real easy problem to solve by checking who's booked and who hasn't and having a little pixel on your confirmation page to at least eliminate the ones that book online. And Misha talks about that all the time with hotels, remarketing to her after she stayed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there should definitely be a time limit because most people, there's an incubation period of, of research and booking. So after that period, whatever it is, for your property, you should stop. But also just, you should have the metrics in there to be able to track, okay, when did they book? And this person already booked, so just stop them now. I mean, yeah, Google has exclusion lists. You can say, if they booked, exclude them from Mm -hmm. remarketing. So please go ahead and do that. Yeah, and and there's a, we have podcasts that we can reference that you can listen to for that specifically. But if you really just take the first sentence, 
Realize how ads work on Google and other places. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to know the intricacies of you know, how retargeting works or you know, the various metrics and strategies that we can put in place. Just understand that those are out there. And sometimes you may need to be the one pushing your digital agency to make the most of them. You know, so am I doing everything I can from a remarketing perspective? Have I even do I even realize and know that you know there are weather-based you know changes you can make to a PPC campaign? All these things that really go in to help optimize your marketing, you don't have to know how to do them, just that they exist and you know ask your agency if that's possible. Yeah, and I think if you are dabbling in advertising, especially in a complex platform like AdWords, you can get by, you can make a profit. But if you really want to maximize it, you need to go find an expert, whether that's someone like a freelancer that just does nothing like other than that, you hire an internal resource because you've got multiple properties that specializes on that, or go find an agency. Because the reality is the 15, 20%, whatever that it is you're going to pay for the management fee to a third party is going to be more than made up for by expanding the profitability of the campaign. You know, we if we get a 10 to 1 ROI and we can improve that by 10, 20%, we've more than paid for that 15, 20% of the management fee upfront. So be strategic about it. It does take time, it does take knowledge, it does take practice. So if you don't have the time to dedicate to it, go find a professional that does. Yeah, and, the, and where you start with that is understanding and knowing what you don't know. All right, so let's talk about number six. Um, know what's happening in the world of search, including what meta is and its real value and the scheme of things. This is one of the biggest areas you're likely spending on, so make sure you have a sense of what's happening here and what your investments in this area do for you. Yeah, that's a great point. I think with, just like we talked about from a PPC perspective, you want to make sure that you're focusing and understanding what's happening in the search world also. It's constantly changing and just understanding what's out there, what the possibilities are and what the really the new pitfalls are is so important. Yeah, and when they're talking about search, they're not just talking about search engines, they're also talking about meta search, right? So uh, it, it's very important that you have as much exposure as possible for your property, especially for those people that aren't familiar with your brand. If you're an independent property, even more so, right? Because you've got to get your name out there. So be universal, be present on every channel you can but really it comes down to managing your rate parity and making sure that people that find you have a real compelling reason to book direct versus booking on a third party channel. So you wanna be on Kayak, you wanna be on Expedia, you wanna be on TripConnect, you wanna be all these different places. But when they come to your website, two things need to happen. One, they need to see either the lowest or equal to the lowest rate that they can find anywhere on the internet. And two, you need to do a really good job of persuading them that booking direct is in their best interest in showing them what the value is for booking direct. If you do those two things, then be as many places as you can. But if you're spending money to be on these third party channels and then they do come to your website and they see a high rate and they don't see any reason to book direct, you're just giving away money. They're gonna go book with Expedia. Right. Yeah, then the next one is recognize the importance of imagery. This is, a, this is another sizable investment, so understand what the impact of it is and think about how you shop. Would you ever buy anything from Amazon that doesn't have a picture? How do online photos influence your own shopping behavior when it comes to travel products and more? 
Yeah, so earlier I said 85% of people said they won't book unless they read a review. So we are in the process of publishing, it's going to be out next month, the new study that we did talking about influence on the website and what factors matter to people. And one of the questions was quality photography. And it was actually a higher percentage of people than answered the review question as reviews are important. So 90% of people said that quality photography is an important factor when making a booking decision with a hotel. 90% of people. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to see great photography? If I go to a website and I've got grainy photos with 1980s hairstyles, I'm probably not going to book at that hotel. Yeah, and the, the perm is coming back. <laughs> yeah, so I'm holding on to some of those photos just in case. Yeah, and the short shorts. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, But no, it's, it's so true. If, you know, they say a picture's worth a thousand words, and it, it really is... The case where if you don't have great photography, if you haven't spent a little bit of money to have a professional photographer come in with talent and set up your rooms, set up the lightings, and really get some great shots, you're going to lose the people when they get here. Oh, it can change the perception, too, of the property. If you have grainy photos that don't show the property well, and people might consider that to be a lower quality property. If you have very high quality photos that show very clearly all the amenities and everything that the property has, you know, that, that's an, it's an incentive to buy right there. Yeah, the job of your website is to give the consumer a glimpse into the experience they're going to have on your property. And people are such visual learners, right, that you can write as much as you want about how great your amenities are, but seeing people enjoy that lazy river or the water slide or whatever that amenity is or hanging out in the bar with smiles on their face, that's going to put that consumer there. That's going to make them feel like they can touch and smell the property before they get there, right? That's going to be a lot more compelling at telling your story than just writing a few bullet points on a a page. Yeah. And we've done a whole uh, article on, you know, photography on your site. Take a look at that you know, understand kind of how it works. But, you know, with all those cases, having people in those photos is really, really important, especially outside of the room, you know, the lazy rivers, the bars and whatnot. If someone sees a picture of a still pool with nobody around it, you know, kind of, you know, just dark and dreary, it's not going to be very compelling. It almost looks a little bit creepy. You've got to add some life to it and make that person you'll be able to put themselves yeah, they in the can't picture. see themselves there right that's yeah. just what you were going to say yeah the only, the only exception i would say to that is the beds don't put other people in the beds right because yeah. people don't want to think about that but yeah all the amenities i would say for sure and this kind of goes into video as well you know photography is important but video is becoming almost as important yeah. as well and, and i don't think it's a one and done type of thing a lot of people say okay this year i'm going to refresh all my photography and then i'm not going to get any new for the next 10 years uh, to me, I think the savvy hoteliers today, they have a line item in their budget every year for new photography. And you're not replacing everything, you're just enhancing and adding new shots every year. You know, from when you redecorate a room or add an amenity, you're taking new shots of that. But you always want them to, to look new, up to date. You don't want those perm hairstyles with the short shorts in there. You want it to look like it is today. In, in terms of video, that can be a lot more candid than your photography. For your photography, put out your put your best foot forward and really make sure you have the ideal room shots, amenity shot, whatever it might be. Video, it can be more candid. You have things like Facebook Live, you have, you know, GoPro type shots. If you can create that with some velocity, both on your site and also, you know, on 
you know, Facebook and social platforms, then, then you can use it that way. All right, and then what's the last point? Uh, for budgeting, look at the big picture and set larger goals for digital's overall impact instead of trying to nitpick and measure ROI on every little thing that you do in the digital space. It's just too complex. For example, social media really does not have good direct ROI, but it's an absolutely essential part of a property's overall marketing and operations strategy. False. That's what I say. Because I've seen where social is actually changing. You can get a pretty good ROI from social. Six months, a year ago, I don't think quite as much, but I, th I think that is changing. The point itself is, is spot on, though. Don't get too bogged down in the minutia that you can't do anything. Yeah, and I think when you're looking at budgeting, you obviously want to use data to help guide your decisions. Look at year-over-year -year trends. Look at what is working less today than it was a year ago and maybe decrease that budget and look at what's working better now than it was a year ago and start to shift budget that direction. But you know, I would make sure, this kind of comes back to one of the earlier points, that you're not budgeting in a vacuum. You know, your marketing budget uh, should be based on industry trends in general because and always have a contingency too. So talk to other folks in the industry, the agencies, other people in your position and try to figure out what they're budgeting, how they're shifting. And there's a lot of people out there that will put in, uh, you know, if you just go Google marketing budget hotels 2017, there's a lot of people that put out advice out there. So go, don't work in a vacuum, go share your knowledge and learn from other people because that's the, you know, the industry is gonna evolve, what works is gonna change, you have to change with it. Don't just keep doing that print mailer every year just because that's what you've been doing. You've got to learn what's working and what's not. Amen. All right, so that is the article. There's a couple of other points on there too that we'll just link to. And they, those talk about if you're a marketer or a marketing company working with hotels, what can you do to help GMs and the operational side to be better marketers? So we'll link to those as well in the show notes. You can get the show notes on fueltravel.com slash podcast and then click on episode 21. And any other thoughts, guys? Well, I guess you know, my closing thought would be marketing is becoming operations, operations and is becoming marketing. So making sure that your GMs are, you know, bring them into some of the marketing meetings. Let, it, let them know kind of what's going out there. You know, what are the current initiatives that should be driving people? They're going to have a better idea because they're actually at the property. You know, so to so understand that, that all the disciplines are kind of merging together in the, the world we live in now. So... You know, nobody work in a vacuum. And like you mentioned earlier, you don't, as a GM, you don't have to be in, in the weeds. You don't have to understand every little piece of how everything works. You just have to understand what you're doing as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it's more important than ever that there, there's ongoing communication between the marketing team and the operations team because the, those, the people in operations, you know, reservationists, the housekeepers, those are the people that have the biggest influence on reputation, on, on guest loyalty, repeat business. So those are the people that make your marketing life so much easier or so much harder. So engaging with them, having open communication channels, making sure that they understand the why behind why you want them to have these conversations with guests, behind why you want them to engage with guests and what intelligence you can gain from them, I think is critical. So having the, not only um, an open communication channel and an attitude that is conducive to that, but also having processes in place that help facilitate that. So whether it's a weekly scrum type of meeting between the head of housekeeping 
in the head of reservations, in the head of marketing, or just just bake that into your daily routine so that you're encouraging, that you build trust between all the stakeholders and that you continue to collaborate and work together versus in, in isolation or in a vacuum. All right, guys, so thanks for listening. This has been the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. As I said before, you can get the show notes at fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 21. And then where can they find you guys on the web? They can find me, Pete DeMeo, at pdemeo uh, on Twitter, P-D-I-M-A-I-O. And Phil? You can find me on Twitter at pfariska, that's P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. And you can find me, Stuart Butler, at S-T-U-A-R-T-B-U-T-L-E-R. You can find us collectively at Fuel Travel, and we would love to hear from you. Please submit your questions to us. We'd love to answer them on the podcast. And also, if you've been listening to the podcast, if you're new to the podcast and you're enjoying what you're hearing, you can really help us out and give back to the show by going to iTunes and just leaving a review because that is how other people find us and that's how we get more listeners and this thing will just keep growing. So until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. Hermes. Mr. Ryan!